Blog Talk Radio. Here we are on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Lucy Weston. Thank you for joining us for this recurring series, Chick Flick Chat. This is the show where we chat about women's roles and roles for women in movies that have been recently released on DVD and on demand. We are making an exception today, January 10th, 2010. It's a new decade, and for the first Chick Flick Chat of the new year, we are featuring New Moon. Don't worry if you didn't read the book. Chick Flick Chat focuses on the featured movie. Let's welcome Chick Flick Chat co-host Susan Rigazzo, our self-admitted twi-hard. The new moon has risen, Susan. Yes, it has, and just in time. The build-up to this movie had my anticipation level maxed out. I also want to wish you a Happy New Year, Lucy, and to all the Here We Are Chick Flick Chat listeners. Well, thank you, Susan. Happy New Year to you, and you're right, to our listeners, and we welcome them for joining us again and continuing on into the new decade. Okay, listeners, let's chat. The call-in number is 646-929-2473. Again, that's 646-929-2473. If you are an email subscriber at our main site, www.herewearewithlucy.com, We are calling for comments this month. One of you who comments at the blog in January will receive a new CD soundtrack from the New Moon film as the Here We Are January gift. We appreciate our loyal readers and our subscribers, so to be eligible for our gift giveaways, just pop by, fill out the email subscription box, make sure to verify. It is free, and we never share or sell your info. Join us. And subscribers can comment on any article that is open for comments to be eligible. There have been a lot of good gifts given away over the last year, Lucy. As for this gift, I bought the CD soundtrack, and it is really good. If you like the Twilight movie soundtrack, I think you'll like this one, too. Speaking of gifts, the Paranormal Anthology given away with the secret word contest from our Twilight radio show went to Suzanne of Nevada, Laura of Pennsylvania, and April of New Jersey. Thanks to all who listened and emailed the secret word, which was Arizona. By the way, this is the first time we are discussing the movie New Moon, so don't be shy to jump in on the conversation by dialing 646-929-2473. All right, Susan, it's time for you to give us the 411 on this movie. Okay. New Moon is the continuation of The Twilight Story and stars Kristen Stewart as Bella Swan, Taylor Lautner as Jacob Black, and Robert Pattinson as Edward Cullen. Secretly loving a vampire is never easy, but sadness overwhelms Bella when Edward decides to leave her and the town of Forks. Heartbroken, and with Edward out of the picture, Bella's only comfort comes from spending time with her friend Jacob. However, Bella quickly learns that Jacob holds a secret of his own. Okay, speaking of Jacob, we saw a lot more of Taylor Lautner, who plays Jacob, in this film. A lot more. 
Yes, we did. And I have, I have to tell you, I was laughing when I was watching it in the theater, and a group of young girls started to squeal when Taylor Lautner first took off his shirt. We definitely saw more of him in this movie. The same thing happened to me when I was in the theater. All the girls started squealing and, you know, <laughs> ooing and aahing. And, and listen, he looked great. <laughs> he really did. And he worked hard. Let me tell you, he worked he hard worked, for that look. That that was, uh, I mean, really, really good body. Uh, and there was, it was worth squealing over, although it was pretty funny. Um, and it definitely, if that's what they were going for, they, they got it, uh, no doubt. Yep. Uh, now, chances are, for the listeners, if you have seen New Moon, you've probably already seen the Twilight movie. So we are going to be talking about things that happened in both. Uh, you know, just a little bit of a, a preliminary spoiler alert in case you're concerned about that. Um, so I'd like to get right into the heart of the relationships in the New Moon movie. Kristen Stewart's character, Bella, she has two hunky, beautiful men to choose from, Jacob and Edward. Is it contrived or is it realistic? Um, my first thought was it's contrived. I'm lucky if I can get one hunky, uh, beautiful man to look my way, let alone two. But honestly, it's not impossible. You know, you, you can get into a situation where two men love you, two men happen to want you. But the problem is, in Bella's case, these two men, they're, all, they're both these fantastical creatures. They're right. not real. I mean, the whole, I, I, you know, this whole series, I think, is so contrived. But it, and, and yeah, you're right. You could have, the, you could certainly turn the head of two men and, and or two boys or whatever teenagers and be in that position. But it's, um, I think they're setting up. Uh, I, I, I just got to start to say this because we're, you know, we're going to be nice. We can play nice, nice with this, but I think we have to go. Let's go for the juggler, Susan. Okay, let's do it. Okay, no pun intended. <laughs> they really are setting women up. Mm-hmm. It's like saying you have to have these two men, you know, or or if two men, which one do you want? But in this case, they're both bad boys. Even mm-hmm. though Jacob seems the sweeter of the two, he turns out that he's a werewolf. So you're right. They are fan- fantastical creatures. And the other one we know, Edward, is a vampire. Mm-hmm. So the two men she's choosing from, she's not choosing like, oh, the nice lawyer doctor, uh, you know, from town versus the vampire. It's two guys that are both danger. They represent danger. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a, a big issue, I think, here for these young girls that are reading these books and watching these movies. Uh, I do want to, talking about the nice guy who, you know, the regular old the everyday uh, Joe, there's this guy named Mike that we saw in the first movie, likes her since she came to town, and here again he's still into Bella. So uh, basically she does have that. I, I have to correct myself. She actually does have that. But she doesn't want it. But she doesn't want it. Good point. And what happened, and just a brief thing, what happened to the relationship that Mike had with Jessica? In this movie, we didn't see that at all. No. I think the Mike and Jessica relationship is an on-again, off-again thing because, honestly, Mike is interested in Bella. I think he's only with Jessica as a default kind of thing, you know? Because he he can't have... He tried to get, you know, he went to the movies with Bella. New, You know, as soon as Bella came back, he was all over her. So that's really where he wants to be, but it's not reciprocated. Right. She's not not at all interested in him. Nope. Yeah. I, I don't even think he falls into the friend category. No. No, I he's don't kind think of, so. He's barely even there. Uh, the okay, I just wanted to touch upon that, because I thought that was kind of a... a a jarring change from the first film where you thought that was going to maybe develop and be a parallel to to what is more of a destructive relationship between Bella and either Jacob or Edward. If the Mike and Jessica relationship had been fostered, we might have seen what is more of a natural progression in teenage love. 
Although, don't you think that is kind of a natural progression? I mean, teenagers, they last a week in relationships sometimes. Okay, you know, that's a good point. Very but, but there's nothing to, par- to, to, to compare Bella's relationships with. Mm, yeah. And everybody's in love with her. That's the other thing I thought. I was like, okay, you know, <laughs> I, <laughs> you already got Edward. And, I did and, have her problems. <laughs> okay, I'm sure everyone is thinking that, but okay. Um, let's let's. Okay, Edward in this movie, the big upheaval, the, the the drama really starts here is when he's going to leave town to quote unquote save Bella. Mm-hmm. So they have the big talk. He's you know, <laughs> can we talk? <laughs> You know, and and, she, and he tells her he's leaving. The whole family mm-hmm. is leaving, and she's devastated. Yeah, she is. And, and he basically, I just want to add one more thing. Doesn't he say to her when he says he's leaving, he's leaving because he wants to protect her? Um, I believe he does. Yeah, I believe he says that. And, and part of the reason he, and she needs to be protected is because of him. Because of him, yeah. But there's an issue here that really bothers me. Okay. It bothered me in the first film, and it bothers me outside of this film is the idea, you mentioned uh, Edward leaves town to save Bella. What is it about being saved? Why why has our culture created this belief that women need to be saved in order to be loved? It's like they're they're synonymous. This whole film was about that. This entire, I'm glad you brought this up, the entire movie was about being saved. You know, this this constant idea of, of the the danger and the dilemma and then the savior and he and it's always being saved by a man. You're right. not saving yourself. You're not saving your girlfriend. Isn't saving you. You know, you're. It's just. I I agree with you. In the first movie, he says something to her like, uh, uh, "You're my life now." Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and and he has to protect her. And then here, it's he says to her in this film, "It's my job to protect you." Yeah. Yeah. Well, why is it his job? And why does she need somebody to have that job? Yeah. I agree. There's no reason to be putting out this message that she needs. And she's falling. Obviously, she's in love with him. Love is blind. And she's going along with it. But so is every other girl who's reading these books and seeing these movies. Exactly. And this is what we're teaching them. You need to be saved in order to be loved. Why can't you just be loved? Why can't you just have a normal relationship where, you know, mutually enjoy each other, love each other? No, there has to be this element of, of, of danger, of saving. risk, of and we're gonna we're gonna keep keep this going because this is this is I this was something that re- I have to agree with you. I I my notes were going and I really was getting angrier as the film was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, she she gets he he leaves town mm-hmm. and on the note of you know the the quote of protecting her, so she starts moping. She's depressed. She's having the night terrors. She doesn't want to exist, but the world, you see the way that they, they use the time uh, transition is that the world's still moving around her, but she's not moving. Yeah. So she's basically not living while he's gone. She has mm-hmm. no life going on. Mm-hmm. Charlie's upset. He's worried about her. And he, he says this line to her, which I thought, okay, I'm not sure I agree with this, but I thought it was interesting. Sometimes you've got to learn to love what's good for you. Mm-hmm. Now, that's the message from the father. So mm-hmm. is he saying to her in this, you have to love what, not necessarily what you want, or you can't have what you want, or is it no. you just got to accept what comes your way? Is this a, is this a saying like oh just settle for whatever? I I I'm not comfortable with it, and yet I don't think it's a terrible line or a terrible message. I'm just not sure what it was. Yeah, I I, I think it's a, I think it's accurate. I think it's accurate because I actually have a friend who who uses a similar line which I, I, I love, it's, you can love someone and not be with them. And that's true. 
Um, and too many, too often we believe that if you love someone, well, that's where you have to be. That's okay, the that's a good point. Be with. Mm. And that's kind of similar to what Charlie's saying here. Sometimes you've you know? got to love what's good for you. Learn to yeah. love what's good for you. Well, and that's you like the learn yourself. to love. I guess it's yeah, better than loving what isn't good for you and then going down that path. Sure, yeah, absolutely. So, I, I, I love the line. I don't think it's not settling. I don't believe it's settling. It's, it's being realistic, I think. Saying, but do you okay, think to a teenage girl it means settling? Probably to a teenage girl. Because, because she didn't take to it. Yeah, yeah, to a teenager, yeah. Absolutely. It fell flat. I don't even think she was. She was like, oh, rolled over, and exactly. and then now and it's I, a hard she, lesson to learn. It is a hard lesson to learn. I don't know if it's the right lesson, but it is. It, she goes out into the woods, mm-hmm. and she ends up collapsing or falling asleep. And there's this big search party. And then, of course, who finds her? Jacob finds her. Um, Sam Yuli finds. I'm her. sorry, Sam Yuli finds her. Yeah. You know, it, and it carries her out of the woods, and and she's saved, and they're all you know relieved. But again, she knew not to go out in the woods because the, that Charlie was looking for what at they what they thought at the time were wild bears. Mm-hmm. Um, I think wasn't it Edward who lured her into not lured, but asked her to come into the woods to have that breakup conversation. Well, initially, but then she went out into the woods. Didn't she go out into the woods again? And then she ended up falling asleep out there because she was so upset. I think she had never left. I think she ended oh, up running that could after be. Okay. Edward. So yes, you're right. Yeah, you're right, Susan. My mistake. So she ends up. So she gets saved, and she comes out of the woods. And you know, it's it's this constant. Uh, right, let me just go into the next part of what we want to discuss, which is taking chances. Mm-hmm. She she doesn't leave the woods initially when she knows she should, mm-hmm. and then she has we have a scene where she goes and she gets on the back of a motorcycle with a strange man outside of a bar, mm-hmm. and she sees his she sees Edward's image, which she had also seen prior when uh, she was confronted by Laurent. Yes. So here's his image popping up, which I must say was a really I thought it was a very cheesy <laughs> special effect of his head floating in the you know. Um, and then she she has she gets they had the scene with the rebuilt motorcycle that Jacob rebuilt and she has the mm-hmm. speed riding scene she cracks her head open yeah and you know she said she says in the movie if a rush of danger is what it takes to see him then that's what I'll find mm-hmm. so she's got these things uh, she's doing these silly very stupid risk mm-hmm. uh, for a reward type of of actions yeah. that are not it's just not good it's not a good message to be sending it's not you know, my problem doesn't lie in the actual things that she's doing hey if you want to try to ride a motorcycle try cliff diving that's fine in and of itself the reason she's doing it is where i take the exception she's like you said the motivation was because she wants to see edward again she's getting right vision. she's willing that's to risk injury for a fleeting moment of, yeah. of this imagery that's popping up. Now, my question is, why can't she just remember him on her own? Why is it that she has to risk her life to get the image? She has a memory. She did, I, I think she has a line in there. She says something, uh, the pain remo- keeps, uh, keeps him alive. The, remo- you know, the pain. I forget what the line was. She had a good line in there. And, and that's how she's keeping him alive, because she's keeping the pain alive. Does that make sense? I guess. I guess it's. I, I don't. I, but it, it is. It is a bad, bad message. Especially she gets on oh, the back of the motorcycle with some strange guy. That's the, the, yeah. regardless of the motorcycle, right? It's the strange man image. You know, that's a bad uh, thing. Um, Jessica's reaction. Uh, her, you know, 
Bella's friend Jessica has a reaction about the strange guy, and it's just like, what are you, crazy? She's the voice mm-hmm. of reason here. And, you know, uh, it's, we're not saying that it's not fun to experiment. You know, you can have fun, and you can try things and experiment and, and test your boundaries. But I think at some point, as, as a female in society, you have to have some common sense. Yeah, that's not testing your boundaries. That's downright stupid, getting on that Stupidity, kind of yeah, making yeah, that, bad I decisions. I like, did not like that scene. Now, that you wasn't know. something that was in the book. They, I understand why they did it for the purposes of the movie, but I did not like the message that was sent. Yeah, with was, that scene, and, and they made it very exciting too. Exactly, and you, you know, know what the they film. make it think like Bella. Luckily, she she walked out of that unscathed. Right. You know that doesn't always happen in real no. life. No, know? it does not. You can't just get off and go. Okay, see you. Thanks for the ride. Exactly. <laughs> Thanks yeah. for the lift, buddy. Um, yeah, that was trouble. And, and and you mentioned earlier that she did this cliff diving. She jumps off the cliff again to to to. Bring up this imagery of Ed, Edward to hear his voice or see his face, mm-hmm. and not only does she almost get uh, killed by Victoria under the water, she ends up almost drowning, mm-hmm. and she again is saved this time by Jacob. By Jake. Yep. It's this repetitive message mm-hmm. that love has to hurt, it has to be dramatic, and it has to involve being rescued. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. The, the danger aspect of it that they're creating is just putting her in a position to be saved. You know, uh, there's different ways to be saved. You can be saved emotionally. But the, this physical danger that they've created in this story gives that, it goes back to the being synonymous. Danger equals being saved. Right. What, why are that we love hurts. Teaching love this? hurts. Or it's, we, yeah. Not that, yes, that love hurts, but also that um, being saved is synonymous with being loved. Right. That the the white knight. It's the well. well this is good that we're we're. Right, there's a continuing story, obviously, with mm-hmm. these these repetitive messages. Which in the first movie we didn't see as strongly. We saw them. They were. They were there. It was the underlying thing. This movie really hammered it home, though. Yes. You know, with just the whole what we're talking about, just being saved, and and you you know you're you're willing to risk your life for for what? It doesn't make any sense. Um, the love, the relationship she's got, she has her own life. She's got a father and a mother, and, but yet she's willing to give it all up for a, f- a few fleeting moments. It's not even to be with him. It's just to be, to see him. Uh, anyway, all right, I, I'm going to keep going if I don't stop, but let me, um, I I think this movie undermines females' self-esteem on a number of levels, mm-hmm. uh, one of which is she has the issue with her age. She's turning 18, mm-hmm. and she says to him, you're not going to want me when I look like my grandmother. Yeah. So there's the whole thing, oh, you're no good or you're not desirable when you're older. Based on your physical appearance, yeah. Right. Yeah. And I, I can't remember exactly, I have to tell you, the film, I had a hard time keeping with this movie, uh, and, and I was noting things, but... She folded herself out of the photo, didn't she, that she had of him or she gave she to did. him? Yes. Which is also like, she says to him, I'm not good enough for you. Yes, exactly. And yes. he's like, what are you, crazy? Like, uh, mm-hmm. But what are you telling these girls? Like, oh, this, 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 because this great-looking guy loves me. And, you know, it, there's the messages of the lack of self-esteem and then the, just the lack of motivation or drive when he does break up with her and leaves town. You know, the danger, the love, the attraction, that ultimate triangle of everything being swirled together, it's all very confusing. And there's a very confusing age period that this book is is being promoted to. Mm-hmm. I think, think about the time, you know, when you're 14 to 18, how you feel. 
oh, it's a horrible time. I would never do it again. <laughs> right, exactly. I, think I would never. If I had to choose. <laughs> exactly. Um, and, and it's it's there's the self-esteem issue about not being good enough, but let's also factor in now he comes along, and now here's another way he's saving her, and he boosts her self-esteem by saying, you're my life, I live for you, um, I'm here to protect you. Protect you, right. And all these other phrases that help to boost her self-esteem. So here's, a, here's another way she's being saved on an emotional level. You know, this, this movie had this, um, well, it, it really isn't, an, I keep calling it an underlying message, it is the message. That Bella has a case of what I call the Cinderella syndrome, mm-hmm. or what I also call the princess paralysis, is where mm-hmm. you don't create your own life because you're waiting to be saved by a man, mm-hmm. uh, or that your prince will come and he will start your life, you'll get out of the castle and, and everything will be wonderful. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that doesn't happen in real life. And I know this is a, I know this is fiction, and people could argue with us and say it's just a movie and it's just a book. But you know, this is, I, you know, I think it's a bigger cultural problem. It's not just uh, uh, about women. We overall, we 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 teach ourselves once I have the flat screen TV, once I have a better job, once I move into a bigger house, then I'll be happy. This is a cultural consciousness that we're creating and we're perpetuating and we're teaching to our children. You know, it's, yes, specifically in this movie, we are dealing with women's issues, but this is a much bigger issue about once I get something, then I'll be happy. That's a big problem. It is, but I think that with that stuff, if you, if you look at the, the, the Cinderella syndrome, is that the prince has to come first. Once the prince comes, then all those other things are supposed to come. Mm, that's and true. Yeah. The, the prince, you know, once the prince puts that glass slipper on her foot, everything is, is you know, sweetness and light mm-hmm. and beautiful, and she's rid of the evil stepsisters, and, you know, things move on in her life, or so we think. They lived happily ever after. Yeah. And whether that means it's the flat screen TV in the house or whatever it is, it's whatever the imagery is in someone's head of what happily ever after means. And I, I see where you're going with that. Um, what bothers me in this film, too, is there is not a mention that I heard or read when I read the book of going to college, career, dreams, you know, mm-hmm. hopes, or any basic aspiration. Not even like, oh, maybe I'll travel the world after yeah. school. Yeah. Beyond Edward, everything is about Edward or Jacob, and it's, unfortunately for Jacob, he's sort of the he he is the second choice. Yeah, yeah. Um, and a- Angela and Jessica, they're the smart girls. They don't seem to have any life in this movie. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's true. Right. Um, yeah, but then it wouldn't be much of a movie, right? <laughs> well, but that's not, but what are you saying to the girls who don't have an like? Oh, you smart oh. girls, you just sit in the corner. You're not going to go anywhere. No, no. I, the no, exciting I life is with these, you know, these bad boys. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, Bella doesn't mention any future aspirations other than becoming a vampire. Right, well, that's what I mean. This is what yeah. you know. And and think about too the casting, the way this movie is cast. You have these beautiful girls that are all the vampires. Yeah. The, the yeah. Uh, Esme and the uh, Alice. They're all very very pretty, and they're all in relationships. Yeah. Yes. With men, they're all, you know, they all have a mate, whether they're yeah. married or it's a boyfriend, they all have a mate. Mm-hmm. And yet the, the smart girls like Angela and Jessica aren't, you know, they're on their own. And poor, poor Jessica can't get Mike to even look her way. <laughs> Angela does have a, um, who was it, her boyfriend? There's a, but there's no excitement there. No, there is, no, there is. You know, and, and now, all right, we, all right we, we're, we have seven minutes. We, uh, this, is the, this is the big 
ending that I we got to talk about this. Okay. I think we, the ending, and this is a, definitely a spoiler alert. I, you know, I read the book, but I never got to finish the last two chapters, so I never followed up with it. And I figured I'm going to see the film. I knew it was was what was what I thought was coming. Of course, he said, you know, she says, "I want you to turn me," meaning, you know, make her into a vampire. Mm-hmm. So we have the we have the 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 request for death, basically. Yeah. And he says, on one condition, marry me. Mm-hmm. The entire audience of women that were were in the theater with me went, oh, <laughs> yes, it's very romantic, and oh, you know, isn't this great? Again, here we have this, you know, someday my prince will come, and, mm-hmm. and we'll live happily ever after. But really what I got out of it was that marriage equaled death. Interesting. But sometimes I feel that way. But it's, right? It's like, Marriage um, equals death. You kill me, we'll be married. Yeah, yeah. Well, Where I'm are we going to, after that? I, I'm trying to keep an open mind about that ending uh, to see what they're going to do with it in Eclipse. Okay. There's a little a little play that goes on in the next book, and I want to see what they're going to do with it. Um, you know, I didn't, I'm not going to lie, I, I enjoyed the romantic factor of the ending, but I also despised it for the same reasons you did. You know, um, it's like marriage is like some cure-all. Oh, like once I get married, it goes back to what we just said. Once I get married, everything will fall into place. And and when you think about it, the vampires themselves are the Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if she gets, you know, besides getting turned into a vampire, and she marries him, then she'll be part of the Walking Dead. So what mm-hmm. are they? Are they alluding that marriage is the, you're the Walking Dead? Because oh. all the images of marriage we see are with the vampires. None of Charlie's single. That's true. That's true. Right? We we don't really see other people being, I mean, we, we don't see her mother. She has the boyfriend. We have very, it's it's always extraneous to the main story. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. Good point. So, okay, look at it that way. you know, it's kind of a, I, I thought it was a bad, bad message. I was very angry at the end. I know we're um, going to piss off a lot of people with this. <laughs> uh, but you know what? It's, 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 it's got, I think it has to be said. Yeah. And, and, and you know, the other, when we did the original, uh, the Twilight movie, we did Chick Flip Chat on it, we had brought up a, a, a phrase that Bella said in that movie, which was, was, death is peaceful, easy, life is harder. And at the time, I think I said to you, I want to revisit that. I'm not sure what I, I, I think was that yet in terms mm-hmm. of the movie. In this movie, that becomes a very clear that she really is willing. It's easier for her to die. It'll mm-hmm. be peaceful for her to be with him mm-hmm. than to live without him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, that comes up earlier in the movie. You know, when he leaves, he, when he thinks that she's um, uh, passed away, he's ready to try and, and uh, stop. Right, with, and that's living. Romeo and Juliet. And then she offers her life up for him later in the film to try and save him. So there is definitely a recurring theme of giving up one's life right. for the ultimate love. For the ultimate, yeah. It, it, it's. I know it's extremely popular, and I'm glad that people are reading, but it's very disturbing, mm-hmm. very disturbing messages. And, and uh, I hope that by doing these shows, other people will maybe see it the way yeah. we do. Yeah. Uh, okay, a couple of things about the sets, the wardrobe, anything you want to throw in? Um, I was pleased just like i was the twilight it was fun it was you know i enjoyed the sets and the wardrobe love the cgi with the okay wolves. the wolves, wolves were beautiful yes and the scenes of volterra were, were awesome 
very happy with all that. Uh, I, I thought it was comical that she was reading Romeo and Juliet. Mm-hmm. Yes. And what a slap in the face to Shakespeare. <laughs> I felt kind of bad. I'm like, oh, Bill, <laughs> he must be rolling in his grave. Um, and also the dream catcher. She gets mm-hmm. a gift from Jacob early on. That's the dream catcher. And she has it hanging on her headboard. Yes. And then when she's with the Volteri, when we're, they're in the room, in the chambers, mm-hmm. on the back of their thrones, they had a, an image that was very similar and circular and like a crisscross pattern to the dream catcher. Oh, Okay. I don't know what it means, but I just noticed that and thought, okay, maybe there's something there. Well, if we mm-hmm. had more time, we would discuss it. Uh, about the movie versus the book, better or worse? I still prefer the books, but I do like seeing it played out in the movie. Okay. Uh, I, what about the movie Twilight versus the movie New Moon? I, I preferred New Moon over Twilight. That was also my favorite book. I, I felt like there was a meteor story there, and you got to see – the relationship build between Bella and Jacob as opposed to with Bella and Edward, you just have to accept that it was love at first sight. Mm-hmm. So, and it was definitely more, it was meaty. It wasn't just foofy. Yeah, I think the books are definitely better than the movie. I think I like the first movie better than this. I wasn't, I would not like this. Enjoy mm-hmm. it. Uh, I think uh, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, uh, you have to take it with a grain of salt and hope that people are discussing it with their kids who are reading yeah. it. Exactly. Uh, you know, it's just... It is what it is, and hopefully we can uh, add a little bit to the discussion. So, Susan, thank you so much. This was enlightening, and I hope we thank didn't you. piss off too many Twilight Series fans. Tune in for the next Chick Flick Chat on Here We Are. Once again, thank you to the listeners and callers uh, for joining us. Remember to stop by herewearewithlucy.com for lots of helpful living well lifestyle information. I'm Lucy Weston, and I look forward to talking with you next time on Here We Are. Until then, may your life be better brighter, and easier on our way to running the world.